0: Well, there's a lot that happens in this service. We still got a little bit more. There's a little bit of time left for me to share a message from the Scriptures. I promise I won't drone on. Um, we've uh, We've been talking about being on a journey with Jesus, about experiencing God in everyday life. And this past week, I feel as if God was inviting me to experience God in a new way or to be reminded of something. See, this past week, my family and I, our our kids were on spring break last week, and so we decided, as we do every year, we're going to choose one spot, one zoo, one amusement park that we're going to become members or have season passes to, and we're just going to go as many times as possible to make it worth it. And so this year, we decided on Knott's Berry Farm. And so we said, okay, we're going to spend two days there. We're going to spend Thursday and Friday there, and it's going to be great. The kids are going to have a blast. And we, you know, the kids were so amped up. Everything was going so well. The kids were having a wonderful time. Ezra, our second born, was tall enough to ride the accelerator, which, go, which is the one that goes from zero to 85 in two seconds. He loved it. You know, he's, he's, turning, he's actually turning 11 tomorrow, um, April Fool's baby. Um, he, but he loved it, and he was so thrilled. He, he liked to go on the one that just drops out. You kind of just get lifted up there and just drops. He loved it. He was having a great time. Joshua, our third born, uh, was just tall enough by less than an inch to ride most of the rides. And so one of his favorites was Montezuma's Revenge, because he finally got to go on something that went upside down. And there, you know, he's like, he's like our little seven-year-old kid, and he's going on this thing, and he was so excited, and he was so thrilled. Annabelle, our two-year-old, also cleared. There's one roller coaster that she could ride, because she was that, I mean, less than a centimeter tall enough to ride it, and so she had her first experience, and it was cute. She had her hands up because she saw how other people were doing it, and she was saying we, and she had that, and we got to take pictures with Snoopy, and we were having a grand old time. It was a total, total win until Friday night at 8 p.m. when it was time to go. <laughs> now, you might be thinking that the problem was the kids flipped out because it was time to go or they were tired, but no. No. It was not the kids that were the problem. As we were moving to the park exit on Friday night, Annabelle was tired. We were ready to go home. I checked my pockets. And then I checked the backpack. And then I checked the stroller. I had no keys. Car keys for two sets of cars. House keys to our house and my parents' house. Church keys, this church, and Pasadena Covenant, which I still had keys for, gone. And then it hit me like a wave. Worry. Anxiety. What now? What next? How are we going to get home with four kids? You can't call an Uber that has the car seats. And, you know, what if the car was stolen? We kind of sat there, the kids sat still, they kind of had to figure out a place to just kind of hang tight while I ran to the parking lot to see if the car was still there and while I was going there my heart was racing, oh my goodness if our car is gone and our house keys are there, all they have to do is look inside the glove compartment and find some invoice that has our address on it and they have our house keys and we're like all these things are running through my head, what if somebody broke into our home now it'd be a stretch for somebody to actually know where the keys were that went to a church out here and see me, but What if they could find stuff? Worry upon worry as I stood in line at the info desk hoping that they had turned up and when it had not, my heart was sinking and I went further and further into a sense of what now? Oh, no. Worry. It's something that I think all of us can relate to in one way or another. We worry about all kinds of things, both superficial and deep. And I believe that this morning, as we look into Luke chapter 12, we are invited to let go of our worries and experience the peace of God. We are invited to let go of the worries that plague us in life and experience the peace of God that God seems to say is right there for us. And we see this in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22 through 34. We're going to read the passage together, and we're going to look a little bit about what worry is and what the peace of God is in relation to that. So let's go through Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, and about your body, and what you will wear. For life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens with the birds. They don't sow or reap. They don't, they're not farmers. They have no storerooms or barns. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? In other words, what do you gain from worrying? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, the great king from old, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will he, God, clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not set your heart on what, on what you will eat or drink. or Don't worry about it. The pagans run after such things. Your father knows that you need them, but seek God's kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here in Luke chapter 12, we are invited to let go of our worries and invited to experience the peace of God. Now, to help us think about what it means for us to experience this, I'd like to briefly explore, one, what worry is, what it's shaped like, and what that peace of God is shaped like, in contrast. Worry. Worry and anxiety is the kind of thing that causes us to live as if we had clenched fists, like grasping. We reach out to try to obtain and grasp after things, either things that we want, things that we don't have, things that we think we need, things that we fear to be without. We grasp at things And a lot of our anxiety, though not all, a lot of our anxiety is wrapped up in these kinds of approaches to life, worrying about the things that we have. Some of us worry about what we're going to put on the table for dinner. I worry about, I'm think. I've got to think about it right now. We're actually going to have kids over tonight. I have no idea what we're feeding them. So I start to worry about it. This is true. We have kids coming over for Ezra's birthday We worry about these kinds of things. We have anxiety about what clothes we're going to wear. Is this outfit going to make me a little heavier than I, well, it's going to probably be accurate, but is it going to make me look heavier than I want to look? We worry about these kinds of things. We worry about the clothes, whether it's fashionable or not, whether it looks good or not. We worry about this and that. There are just so many things that fill our lives with worry. And some of you may look at this passage and you experience worry and you might say, okay, I get it. Stop worrying about those frivolous things. But I think that the passage addresses a deeper type of worry. You see, we look at it from this perspective. We live in a fairly affluent society. Even those of us that struggle financially from time to time, we have comforts that people in the ancient Near East could never dream of let alone people in other parts of the world. You see, the people in Jesus' day, when he says, don't worry about your food, these may have been people that if they didn't work and worry about their food, they wouldn't have food. If they didn't worry and toil and spin their clothes, the yarn or the wool, they wouldn't have clothes to wear, right? I mean, these are the things that they had to deal with. They were very real problems that had a huge impact on the quality of life that they lived. These were deep worries that were significant, not frivolous things for them, real and deep things for them. Now, many of us worry about deeper things other than what for us is the superficial things about how we, what clothes we're going to wear, what food we're going to eat. We worry about things like job security or about the amount of money that we may have or may not have set aside for retirement. We worry about grades and exams and studying for our SATs or ACTs. We worry about getting into the right school or the school that you want to get into. We worry about relationships, broken relationships. We worry about our children, both young and grown. All of these worries have something in common. Each in its own way, it's as if we're grasping for a reality that we want to exist we're grasping for things to be a certain way, and we're saying, it needs to be this way, it needs to be this way, and the anxiety builds up because what we want to be the case does not match what we're experiencing. There's a sense in which we are grasping for a hope or a reality that we don't see in our everyday lives. We grasp. And because we grasp, think about this, we hold our hands with closed fists, which I'm going to invite you to go ahead and do this. We're going to do this a couple of times today. To so have your hands out and have them in fist form. We get caught in a cycle of grasping, of worrying about the things that we don't have and grabbing for them and trying to obtain them. But what happens when our hands are closed? We begin to close ourselves off close ourselves off from the blessings that God can give us, and closing ourselves off from each other. It's a very self-focused feeling. It's about what makes me feel comfortable, what makes me feel like I have what I need to go through life. It's a grasping. Now, not all worries are self-centered. Of course, when we worry about our children, it's for their safety and other things, but there's a part of it, I will admit, even for my own children, when I'm honest with myself in a moment of self-reflection, when I worry about my kids, I also worry about whether or not they're doing what I have asked them to do or how I have asked them to live or, in some ways, how they are representing our family and, consequently, me in front of others. It's not There, there have been multiple times when I have felt a little bit worried that my kids are going to be weird and crazy during Sunday school. And there's somebody's going to say, that's the pastor's kid. <laughs> when I worry like that, that worry is not so much about them per se, it's about me. I'm grasping for a reality, an image of what I want to be the case, and I hope that it's the case and it makes me anxious. We worry about superficial things and about deeper things. And in our worry, we grasp for stuff, for grasping for things. But God invites us to a better life in our journey with Jesus. You see, we are invited to peace. This passage this morning reminds us that there's an opportunity to trust in the provision of God. Here in Luke chapter 12, there's not a whole lot that we need to explain for us to understand what Jesus is saying. It's pretty straightforward. He sets up these rhetorical situations. The birds are fine. The flowers are fine. And in it, Jesus is implying and also saying directly to folks... God can provide for you. You are valuable to God, more valuable than the flowers and the birds. God will give you what you need. Seek God, Jesus says. These are straightforward truths. But do we trust it? Therein lies the rub. Because if we trusted it, then the worries could be released but it's hard to trust it. If we trusted it, wouldn't the weight come off our shoulders? It doesn't mean that trusting in God for these things that we stop taking care of our responsibilities, but what it does is it lifts a burden, a weight, the yoke of anxiety. This is not an invitation for you to not study for your finals. But it is an invitation to approach your finals trusting in God, in what God has allowed you to prepare for, that you would do the best that you can, and that you can release the rest to the Lord. This is an invitation to come to God and say, okay, I will do what I can, and then I am in your hands. Extend your hands again, and instead of having a closed fist, have open palms. Just like worry is like grasping, peace is like an open hand. It's a posture that when you are like this, puts us in a state in which we are mindful of receiving something, being given something. Our hands become open, not only to receive, but then also to give. For when our hands are clenched whatever we have in our hands cannot be shared with other people right now this sounds kind of the this sounds all very fluffy right open up your hands and receive the peace of god it's not that simple as that otherwise you know we'd all be precious moments characters it'd be kind of the very fluffy dimension of christian life but it is that invitation is real the invitation for us is to, is real to open up our hands To let go of the stress and worry and receive the peace of God. Now, there's another dimension to this side of peace and worry in this passage that I think we need to be careful to pay attention to, because otherwise we end up missing what I think a lot of us miss, I've missed many times, um, is the crux of what Jesus is talking about here. Why is Jesus bringing up worry at this point in his sermon, in his sharing with those who are listening, Jesus is inviting people to experience peace, an open handed sort of peace, so that there can be an openness toward God and others. There's a wrinkle here. Look at how the passage ends. In, uh, at the end of the passage, it says, Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So a couple of times here at the end of this passage, Jesus is talking about treasure, right? Now let's bookend this a little bit. At the beginning of this passage, the passage begins by saying, Jesus is speaking to them and says, Therefore, yada, yada, yada therefore this now as those of you who have been around the christian faith long enough and looking at the bible you know that the question often is what is the therefore therefore you don't just say therefore out of the blue therefore is continuing an idea so what was the idea that was before well if you look in the verse just prior now here's where sometimes bible editors have done us a few favors because if you look at the passage it's broken up by a little heading called do not worry right at verse twenty-two, but verse twenty-one is what sets it up. In verse twenty-one, he says, "This is how I. This is how it will be for those who st- for stores. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God." And then he says, "Therefore, stop worrying." There's a sense in which Jesus is inviting people to a kind of worry-free generosity. Stop worrying about the earthly wealth. God will provide for you. And then this turns not just towards God, but towards others, right? Because you see in the end of the, of the passage in, in, in Luke 12, we read that Jesus is saying, Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. This is all part of the same picture. Sometimes we look at a passage like this and get caught up in the whole idea, well, it's just about us being able to live a more peaceful life, a more relaxed life. makes us feel all fuzzy-wuzzy inside. Like Christianity is this idea that life is going to be easy and that God's going to make things smooth for you. We sometimes have a picture of this being the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about here. Where you're lying on the beach, you have sunglasses on, there's, you know, if you like having background music, there's background music there. If you don't like background music, it's all peaceful and you hear the sounds of the waves. That this is what it means to live a worry free life. And you can come to a passage like here in Luke chapter 12 and say, okay, God is inviting me to this experience. But given the context, given how Jesus is framing this whole conversation around your possessions, your wealth, and your generosity, being worry-free looks a little bit more like this. An open-handed way at looking at life that gives to God and is generous towards others and says to God, I am in your hands. I'm ready to receive whatever blessings come my way. And I will turn those blessings on over to others. This is a different picture of a worry-free life. Not relaxing on the beach, but living generously for others. So what does this mean for us today? There's a couple of things that we can do. I'm just going to leave this picture up there to allow that to sink in. Not a lot of pastors like to talk about this, but I'm the transition pastor. <laughs> Maybe God is calling you to give and give more generously. At some point, uh, the leadership team will have an opportunity to update you on the, sta- the state of the budget um, of the church, the church, it, it takes funds to work, right? Not just what happens here on Sunday mornings, but what happens here during the week. Maybe you've had an opportunity, maybe some things have come up and it's been hard to remember to give, or you've been worried about these kinds of expenses in your life. God is inviting us to say, okay, I see your worry, I see your concern. Live open-handedly. I will take care of you. So maybe you need to commit to increasing your giving, either here or to some other ministry that you feel God calling you to partner with. Maybe you're called to set aside time each day to pray with hands open as you pray, inviting God to say, okay, God, I'm releasing things to you I'm ready to receive whatever you have for me. Maybe you need to take time at the end of every day, 10 minutes maybe before bed, and just recall the ways that God has provided for you so that you never forget God's provision in your life. It's so easy, isn't it, to forget. After a while, we think about our own lives and our own successes as all our own effort and ability and we lose sight of the fact that Jesus has been walking with us. Maybe it's just that we need to spend some time at the end of each day to remember that God is with us and has blessed you. Our invitation this morning is to live with open hands, to receive the peace of God, to walk with God, and to trust the promises of God that you are valuable to God. And God will care for you. There's a prayer that Paul writes to the church in Philippi as he's sort of ending his letter. And he says, as a way of blessing to them, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This kind of idea is predicated on the trust that indeed God values you and God sees you. And when we let go of our anxiety... That peace can enter into our lives. After I kind of calmed down from the panic with the keys, um, we decided, okay, well, we're gonna, we can't get anybody anywhere, so we're going to book a night at the Knott's Hotel, and um, I'm going to sit there at the info desk until closing to see if anything comes up in the last-minute cleaning cruise or whatever. Uh, nothing turned up. I went for a jog to Walgreens to buy pull-ups <laughs> because we had none. Um, we Next morning, we got up and we found a place to eat breakfast and we went back to the park. The kids were thinking, oh, wow, we get an extra day at the park. But then it turns out it was Saturday, the beginning of many people's spring breaks, and so the line for the rides were an hour, or an hour and a half long. They're like, forget this. And so they waited there as we went to the front desk, and they said, nope, nothing's turned up. I said, well, I got to get home because I've got responsibilities, you know, to take care of, and and um, other people are depending on us for some other things on Saturday, on that Saturday night, and also on Sunday. And so I called a Lyft car and. It was interesting. On that lift ride back home, I had an opportunity to end up having a spiritual conversation with the driver. Um, I'd, we have no way of keeping in touch now, but I'm hoping that it was a fruitful one for him. As we talked about his story of immigrating to Kentucky from when he was 10, and then eventually ending up um, in California, had an interesting conversation with a locksmith who. Help me break into our house. <laughs> Opportunities were opened up in that space when I realized that God was inviting me to let it go. Yeah, it could have cost us quite a bit of money to rekey things, to have to duplicate extra keys for our cars. But I was invited to relax and let it go. Sunday night came, kept on calling knots, nothing. At that point, we're like, okay, now it's time to schedule all the things that we need to schedule for the keys. Called again Monday morning, and the person on the phone said, we might have a match. You need to come down to Buena Park, and I said, okay. I drove down there after dropping off the kids at school, and 30 minutes later, someone emerged with our keys They said they found it on the side on one of the rides, still stuck up on, had flown off and had stuck there. It didn't, thank God it didn't derail anything. (laughs) That would have been a, I wouldn't have been here. The moral of the story isn't that at the end of the day, I mean, yes, we got our keys back, but the story isn't, you know what, you're going to get everything that you wanted. The story is that in the process, I learned to let go and I experienced blessings that I would have not experienced otherwise. If on the ride home on the lift car from Buena Park back to Monrovia, I was just worried, I wouldn't have spent the time to have a conversation with the gentleman who was driving me. You see, When we learn to let go, God creates room and space in our lives so that not only can we experience God more richly, but we can share the love and peace of God to others. This is what it means to be worry-free, to have our hands open and see where God takes us. Amen? Amen? This is the invitation for you this morning, and I hope that we can take it to heart. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you that I got the keys. Um, But thank you, God, that you've been teaching me in my own life and that you're teaching us through your word to live with open hands, to let go of our anxieties and worries that can close us off to you and to others. And Lord, may we learn to live in such a way that we can experience your peace and extend it with open hands and open arms to others. In Christ's name, amen.